0: welcome back to the dc yoga podcast i'm your host chris Parkinson. we're here at the Hyrich house in downtown washington dc in dupont circle with producer panama as always and my guest today is kim weeks kim has taught yoga since 2002 which she decided to do after watching the trade and financial towers crumble during 9 11. she founded boundless yoga in 2002 and closed its bricks and orders in 2013. today she uses it as a school to apprentice and train teachers she runs Kim Weeks Well, a wellness, educational, and consulting company. She's a registered advanced teacher and yoga school with Yoga Alliance, and she's now a certified Iyengar teacher. Kim has been featured in many media, including New York Times, The Washington Post, and NBC4 as a yoga expert, and she'll be featured in the November-December 2019 issue of Yoga Journal with a master class sequence and a video of poses to combat tech strain. Hmm. She's voted three times D.C.'s best yoga teacher by the Readers of the Washington City Paper and took her first yoga class with Sa- Swami Sachinananda in 1993.
1: Well, his people, not him. I not wish. him. I was I about, about to say, you yeah. did. Mm-hmm. What was he like? Old, just about to die. Yeah. But presiding over two teacher trainings a year. I feel like they did it down at Yogaville. Mm-hmm. I was his second to last class, so...
0: And did you do the teacher training with Sachinanda? Yeah, as well? well, his people. His people, yeah. 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 He,
1: I mean, he was a presider after right. he opened uh, Woodstock.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he said that, oh, um, and his career was basically like at its <laughs> zenith, you know? I mean, but he did so much. That did so much. Yeah. And he did so much.
0: Um, what uh, have you been down to Yogaville a lot?
1: Not a lot, no. Uh, teacher training there. Had I gone before? I feel like maybe. Uh, I can't remember. Um, if I went before or just for that, but for then and then after. But they, you know, a lot of the people that I studied with came into Fairfax or Northern Virginia or D.C., so it was just easier. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and once I opened Boundless, it was more and more difficult for me to get away for longer periods of time, which you kind of want to at an ashram, you sort of want to check out, mm-hmm. like a week.
0: Or yeah, something. and so you're from the D.C. area? No, Kentucky. Kentucky. Louisville. When did you come to Louisville. D.C.? Louisville
1: um t- nah 2001 yeah like the year it all went down yeah for me anyway for me, it was for me.
0: <laughs> yeah um and do you remember uh remember your first yoga class
1: I do it was that one it was that, that one it, well this one with in Berlin I was doing uh learning German and um the woman that I was home staying with or whatever took me she was like do you want to go to this yoga class so it was in German and I didn't speak very well at the time but it was obviously it's a universal language as we know which is one of the reasons why you know the Iyengars are so um interested in keeping the Sanskrit attached to the actions Mm -hmm. the poses and so the poses were in Sanskrit and the descriptions of how to do them instructions were in German and so I had no idea what I was doing on any level like to Mm -hmm. both languages I was like uh, but it was great and and I was entranced everybody was wearing white Mm -hmm. and so it was a totally I was you know Uh, Interested and but then didn't pick it back up until once I was in New York. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I have a friend who, when she uh, visits other countries, like she, I think she went to um, she did uh, yoga in I think it was in Germany probably and um, or Austria, one of the two. And she went to the class and she didn't understand a word the teacher was saying, but the teacher was using Sanskrit and she knew all the Sanskrit terms. So she was like, Oh, and this is triangle pose. Oh, I know this one. This is side angle. Like,
1: yeah, (coughs) it's so cool. It's kind of cool. Yeah.
0: So mm-hmm. did you, and did you do yoga after that or did you kind of
1: No, I was, um, you know, I went in after that into my, no, my, I was, it was after my first year uh, at UVA that mm-hmm. I was in Berlin. And then, you know, I mean, the German and the travel and the college and everything else was stuck more than that one event. But mm-hmm. then once I got to wall street, my sister, one of my sisters lives in Santa Cruz and had been there for a while. And, you know, I always say that um, we're like, whatever's happening in the california yoga scene is going to happen here in like maybe 10 years <laughs> five or 10 like, they're just like there's just a wave ahead of us and so she was mm-hmm. you know learning ab- about yoga and she was like you sound so stressed out you should go, you know try yoga and a colleague at jp morgan like that day said the same thing or the next day and so i was just like w- i always take things in twos or threes and if you know it happens really quickly like mm-hmm. that Back to back. So then I looked it up in the phone book because (laughs) it was only the yellow pages then. And there was like a, you know, three inch vertical listing of yoga in New York City. Mm -hmm. And integral yoga just seemed to like qualifier noun make sense. I was like, well, I guess if I I can integrate and do yoga, then that seems like I'll.
0: How logical of you. (laughs) Yeah. So
1: I was just like, like highlighting it in the phone, like underlining. But that's how I did it. I did that. I did New York. Using Zagat's the same way. Just one one mm-hmm. page after the next. To see, you know, whatever. But anyway, and so Integral Yoga was on the Upper West Side. No, East Side. But then I, but also Upper West, and then the Village, and I, the Village was my place mm-hmm. that I went to for years.
0: And did you did you like go pretty much like the All next the week? Time. And you you did. Yeah,
1: I did. And I was in I was in a class with a, a bunch of um, a male teacher and a bunch of older women on the Upper East Side, and I was like easily forty years younger than everyone. And the guy at the end, the teacher at the end of the class, it was so nice. He just, he just, he looked at me straight in the eyes and said, "Good luck." (laughs) (laughs) Like, thanks. And I didn't go back because I kind of. He was so basically saying it felt to me like he was saying, "Don't come back." And I was open to whatever, um, so I didn't go back there. Right. But then I was, but I wanted more of the yoga, so I went to the downtown location and Mm -hmm. stayed.
0: That's so cool. Did you ever? <laughs> did you ever get to a point where you like when? How old were you? You were probably mid twenties at this point.
1: Yeah. 22, did you Did you get at a point
0: where you were like, where your soul was torn between like this work on Wall Street and the the yeah. beauty of the yoga?
1: No. What I essentially, I mean, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I I guess I've all. I, how do I answer the question? Was my soul torn? Um, fundamentally, yes. But I didn't know, I wasn't aware of that uh, rift at the time. I was looking around, and I was seeing all of these people that I'd been in college with, you know, totally, like, hot, everyone, like, hot guy, like, everybody was pasty and pale and emaciated, or they'd gained a bunch of weight, and mm-hmm. everybody's, like, rolling around New York, like, late at night drinking, and, God, we worked so many hours. Like, it just, you know, the, the, the cars, were, this is in the days when, like, the cars would line up after 8 o'clock on 40 wall or whatever it was. It was just mm-hmm. this like, you know, mile deep of cars like waiting to take you home and your black car, like you're
2: yeah. in
1: one of those books or movies. And it was just silly. And it just, se- and I don't mean to be so critical, but it just was so much. And the yoga was like, whoa, people like Shavasana mainly was, I was like, I can't believe they're leaving us all alone <laughs> to just let go in yeah. silence together in, in a safe space with ourselves like the whole, it just like you mean one, I
0: don't have to do anything like what are you telling anything, me to do yeah, yeah what do you like I really was really
1: scared of it at first but fine when it finally like settled and I was like whoa mm-hmm. and that was that was when I didn't turn back and it became a part of my life but it was like I just thought well I'll just you know work and do yoga why not you know
0: and what was the did you go to other studios in New York at that time no I mean no that was just the no, one. no I'm
1: super Capricorn <laughs> rising. I'm super loyal in relationships. So when I like commit, I commit. And
0: And what were those classes like? What was Integral Yoga like? Like just from an asana standpoint or was there pranayama? Yeah, super easy. Yes, of
1: course. Of course. Like we were saying before, you know, the podcast, where can you find pranayama anymore? Um, So, you know, they were, they, see, Iyengar talks about yoga being, um, well, He talks about, like, Raja Yoga and Jnana Yoga, you know, the kingly yoga that most people agree, like, the sutras are. Mm -hmm. And then there's, like, Jnana Yoga, which is this, like, wisdom yoga, and there's, like, Bhakti Yoga. And I see the integral yogis... So, you know, I see the integral yogis as being, like, Bhakti as much as... um, Raja Yoga. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's more Jnana. They were more, like about the wisdom body than about like the kingly, like, you know, queenly, I would certainly want to intercede in 2019, Mm -hmm. you know, like physiological sort of manifestation of the truth of the truth and the God likeness and goddess likeness of every human being and really the existence that we're having like all the time. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of uncovering the fact that that's true in you on many levels. And so the integral yogis were super, like, culturally um, dropouts, people that wanted to live in a commune situation, that wanted to, like, Woodstock to be, like, its own reality. Mm-hmm. And, like, a lot of people in the 60s that were just sort of, you know, collecting around these energies, they were, some came for money, some didn't, but they managed to get sort of supported in a way where they didn't have to interact with society the way, for example, I was like coming in with my like Ann Taylor suits and mm-hmm. stuff. And, and so... So they wanted
0: to create like a modern ashram almost. Yeah. Of like so, and
1: the reason I say that like as a kind of a running jump response is because they all wore saffron. It was like a uniform oh, wow. that they wore, you know, white or saffron, one or the other, and independent of where you were in your relationship to Swami Satchidananda. And because you were giving so much of your time in some respects, to be I guess I should have thought about this you know is is there so, so much karma yoga there's so much giving of time right. in exchange for you know the experience of being you know closer to the to your soul and so they would start the classes um I can't remember if we chanted at the beginning and end or just at the end this is how long it's been since I've really practiced it um but we would start usually not doing warm ups but just sun salutes and it was just so much like the shivananda tradition it was sort of like Knockout three to five, Namaskars, they were very gentle, very much like I feel like there was a word I haven't heard it in years in classes, but like um, roll through, you know, uh, Sphinx pose. Isn't mm-hmm. that what it is? Like knees, yeah. chest and chin is sphinx, and you roll through into the Oh up-dug. yeah, where
0: you where you have your butt up in the air and you bring yeah, your chest and down. your and chest and you is kind of down, your elbows through. are up.
1: It's like it's yeah. like, you know, half Bujanga, or you know, half like headed toward Bujanga. I mean, there's just a lot there's a lot of actions in it. Mm-hmm. But I think that you know, the Ashtanga Vinyasa scene has kind of like, you know, sort of worked in, you know, Urdhva Mukha in place of bujangasana I haven't seen cobra pose. I just don't see it as much, you know. Mm-hmm. So they, they were cobras. And then like back into some like sloppy down dog. And then, d- and, and, and I remember te- taking a a class toward me into my teacher training. It was a woman who was the youngest of the, you know, of the People who lived on the ashram and trained us. I mean, these people were like in the walls. They were not in society. They were teaching us their like really deep, you know, sort of thing. Whatever. You know, I mean, Swami sachin Ananda's thing. And she was she taught led us through a moon salute, and that was like that was like the fun day. Like whoa, <laughs> we're doing this <laughs> thing that's so different than the prescribed thing. Right. So it was like so again. I, ca- I feel like probably threw in some cacao, namaskars and then they had a sequence of. Oh, I can't remember when headstand would get in, but it was sort of what you see in classical Hatha yoga, Surya and some stuff then some headstand, then some other stuff, then some shoulder stand, then it was over.
0: Mm-hmm. And was it kind of the same sequence every time? Or was yeah, it...
1: same. And the very first class I taught, which was in the basement of the JCC, you know, prior to my f- full knowledge that I was going to open boundless yoga, you know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I had the sequence. I had been tested on the sequence. I had been observed teaching the sequence. I would gotten feedback on how I taught the sequence, but as soon as I, like, looked at the students, I was like, there's no way I can teach this class. And yeah. I didn't. I just, like, changed it. Imme- and I was like, oh, my God.
0: Because it was too hard for them physically to Well, do
1: there was, a, like, a 75-year-old woman who was, like, super, like, deep, drunk, the Kool-Aid yoga person who w- could talk, circled around me at right. that point. And then this younger woman in her late late 20s who just had a baby and had a herniated disc. And she, the first thing she said is, I've got a herniated disc. And I was like, I don't
0: what like what? <laughs> yeah her name was? what
1: yeah and we'd had like you know a half day half page half training on like you know contraindications and i think i did know the word contraindications and i do remember seeing like front back of this training we did do in like probably a two-hour module or something you know which is like in in the surya namaskars here's sort of what's contraindic- you know, contraindicated you know like wrists and shoulders and mm-hmm. but like i just yeah so <laughs> And so I just had no idea. And I kn- knew on some instinctive level that X or Y would be like injurious to her. And I just went immediately back to my apartment and started Googling. When I'm did you? Do
0: exactly. That. When did you start teaching? When was your.
1: So two thousand two. So two thousand two. So nine eleven had
0: already stopped. Had already, already yeah, happened. Yeah, the
1: previous fall, and yeah. And then you yeah. went. And then you went and did yoga teacher training right the away. The following May. You
0: were like, "Fuck this!" Like I'm. I done. was
1: yeah. I my first response was I was stuck in Atlanta because um, I was on a, at a trade show for my last tech company that, because I moved down here from Wall Street to do the dot com thing, yeah. which is like. Yeah, it's so fascinating listening to Deb Michelle. Yeah, loves. Deb,
0: exactly. We did the same I mean, thing, I right? just told yeah. a friend this
1: morning, I was like, did you know that Flow started from the original Alexa? Essentially, like that yeah. idea of funded Deb, funded Flow. It's just like, whoa. That was such a cool yeah. example of why this podcast is awesome. <laughs> it was just, I, I mean, I've known Deb for years, but I didn't know that story. That's mm-hmm. a great story. So anyway, I was stuck in Atlanta. We had to drive back. I was stuck with all of these people. And I was on AIM, you know. Mm-hmm. That's right. Like instant messaging, you know, like my friends in New York. Like ha- being able to call all the ones, my like A-list before the phones shut down and make sure they were all okay. Because all of my friends, I mean, I worked in the fi- financials. I mean, we that's where I worked. That's where all the people I knew worked. Yeah. So just making so everybody that on my like close people lived, but not everybody did live. People I worked with died. And so I was just like, oh, my God. So I got back to D.C. you know, days later because the flights were grounded. You couldn't get a car. And mm-hmm. I went straight to Whole Foods and just bought a ton of food. And I started cooking. I just went home. <laughs> like, I don't care if I can. <laughs> and then I got a cat, which is so great because I wanted a dog, but I was like way too much responsibility. And so um, I just did these things that were felt really self-care and nurturing. And, like, just clearly I was in, you know, a th- extremely mild PTSD. Like, I oh, don't yeah. want to say that or – Try to own that because I don't know that I know what that is exactly in in the pre- specific and particular case with of war and death and dying and witnessing that. But so many of my friends saw it, you know, <laughs> and you know, and my friend died on the ninety eighth floor. So it's just like you know, just like, oh, and it just took a few more months where I was like, forget it. I just, I there's got, there's got to be a way that I can take what I've learned because I can't really explain what happened without feeling really angry and upset and or depressed and or scared and or every like what you know, and, and just sort of like talk about the alternative or talk just talk about the place that I've been in life feeling interpersonally, intrapersonally, like stressed and sad and and found all this solace. So I thought I know I can talk about yoga. I know I can explain that. I can explain like how it's been transformative for me. And so that's why Boundless's mission was to fashion was to foster transformation and Mm-hmm. It's my, you know, Kim Swells mission is the same. Mm-hmm.
0: So. so you, so then you went, and you did the your training, and you were yeah. like, you're like, all right, I've got to share this with people. That's yeah, that yeah,
1: it. yeah. I thought I was going to be a consultant at that point. I'd kind of refined my, you know, financial services turned marketing and, um, consulting, marketing, kind of mar- marketing communications consulting. I thought I would mm-hmm. just kind of like bank that direction because it was interesting to me, and I was I had really loved working for the two tech companies and thinking about. How they explain products and services, and could sort of like make everybody's lives better, blah blah blah. So, but then I went to Trist to write out my business model. Oh yeah. yeah, I know Shout out Trist. To Trist. Yeah. I know another one yeah. exactly. How many lives have like changed there, basically, yeah, or yeah, people yeah. have had? Th- I mean, I'm <laughs> I'm super spiritual about all these things, and I'm uh, Constantine and I remain extremely good friends. Um, but I didn't know him at the time, and hadn't done all this small business stuff like I did with him and some mm-hmm. people. And I was sitting there like writing out my co-business plan, like my marcoms business plan and my like yoga teacher business plan. And I just kind of started looking at the numbers and I was like, why wouldn't I just open it, just go full all in? I tend to be all in. I have a hard time with duality. (laughs) You know, I have a hard time with right and wrong, hard time with like yes and no. So I was like my tolerance for that at the time was so um, slim so I was like, ah, screw it. I'm just going to open a studio. You're just going to open a studio. But I felt like I lifted out of my body a Trist There was my, like, coffee and my food or whatever it is. I could show you the exact seat I was sitting in. Um, and it just felt so right. I yeah. felt like I, when I landed back in my body, I was like, okay. So I can't do that. I can't go do Mark Homs and, like, also yoga. I have to, like, go all in with yoga and see where this leads.
0: Right. Yeah. So there probably weren't too many yoga studios around back mm-hmm.
1: then. I know it's been so fun listening to your podcast yeah. asking that question of people because Spiral Flight, Eliana Bacchus, was there and wonderful and amazing. And John was, of course, there. Um, I wonder. Yeah. Anyway, John was there, um, Unity Woods and Tranquil Space had just opened a year before. Mm-hmm. So Tranquil, Boundless and Flow opened in like quick succession. It was Tranquil Space and two years later, me or a year later, me and then Deb a year later. Yeah. So that was them. And then who else? Like Georgetown Yoga was maybe. But that was a little later. Georgetown Yoga has had two completely different owners and names in D.C. This one woman who hightailed it from Montana, she just got tired and was like, "Forget." It. And mm-hmm. she and her husband were able to move out there. And then L. El Eli or whatever his name is owns now mm-hmm. Georgetown Yoga, which has turned into Shaw Yoga. But I digress. Exactly. Um,
0: was well, she is that the same person who owns Dupont Yoga? Is mm-hmm. it the same?
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's a very interesting model that it's like a lot of yeah. Anyway, it's an interesting model.
0: Um, so, and then of course you had the yoga at the gyms and that was the other place, right? Yeah. My
1: first class was at JCC and then at Washington city yoga center, something, something. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, um, and then Boundless, you're, and it was the same place that I knew it as when it was. Yeah, I heard
1: you saw it at 13th and you, right? Yeah. So we were at 16th and you for a while on the 1500 block between, and so I had two locations there. Mm -hmm. And then we moved down to 13th Street once it just got time to get a little closer to 14th. We felt like it was um, 15, the 1500 block is nice, but it's just not as, it's great. It's a great block. But 1300, Mm -hmm. we kind of wanted two floors and. yeah
0: so tell us about the studio tell us like boundless yeah exactly i i tell people all the time like it's been i've wanted to have you on this podcast for so long because so many people have been like oh did you ever go to boundless you know Mm -hmm. kim weeks studio and i was like no i never got to because it was i think you guys literally closed like yeah the like the summer i graduated from yoga teacher training and i didn't and i didn't i didn't have a chance to go
1: oh bummer which where did you do it
0: Uh, i did my teacher training with angela up at stroga
1: oh cool yeah stroga another one that sort of that was a pretty space
0: that was a nice space
1: Mm. i was i I mean as soon as i saw the size i was like oh boy i don't (laughs) know how that's gonna go down it was such a good idea and it was so we did one i feel like i um brought somebody to dc who did it there sarah powers i think was there Mm -hmm. yeah she did it she was there once I mean,
0: the space was just gorgeous. Mm -hmm. It was the best place in the city to practice Mm -hmm. yoga. Still, I I still haven't seen it surpassed. But, you know, when you're paying 30 grand in rent, that's kind of hard. to.
1: Yeah, it's just I know you were talking to who, Deb or somebody about that, about the difficulty. But anyway, you know, the, the sort of price per square footage kept going up, which is certainly one of the issues around why we closed. Mm hmm. Um but it was great. It was like amazing. We I opened the basement or er, no 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 uh, the, my ba- this Bahamian guy was my first landlord on the fourteen hundred block, fifteen hundred block, sorry, and it was right around the corner from where I lived and I was like my goal is to like walk to work and you know, to go super local. I was just ready to like just totally like in U Street, you like kinda didn't cross fourteenth Street at that point. You did to get to nine thirty, but you know oh, I not know, I that remember, yeah, yeah, yeah. So and it yeah, so anyway. Um, and so I opened, and it was great, and I hired um, a bunch of teachers from around the northern Virginia area through mm-hmm. Sun and Moon. I don't know if you know d- of J.J. Gormley. Mm-hmm. She'd, be, she'd be totally awesome to get on the podcast, but she's not DC Yoga anymore, so she might not be, you know. She was northern Virginia. Anyway, she was an Anusara person who, mm-hmm. you know, just sort of decided to go her own way from John Friend before any of that stuff went down, mm-hmm. which, you know, was what it was, but it enabled her to... Um, she, she was my first RYT 500 trainer, Mm -hmm. my first shaman. And when did you,
0: when did you do your first program there? So
1: yeah, it must've been as soon, soon after I opened, when I opened Boundless, I, you know, started like teaching and I was just talking to some people before I came to class. The person was saying the yoga teacher has the loneliest job because she says like, Hey everybody. And like, nobody says anything back. And I'd never thought about that. I've never thought lonely. about that. Right? Yeah, yeah, it was. I had I had to pause, but I but it reminded me. It's but maybe because I was coming to talk to you, of like <laughs> my very first class, like peering down, you know, the little like window from my studio, mm-hmm. and just like wondering if people were going to come. There's like so much. You know, when you put yourself out there, yeah. I was all over the schedule. My name, na na na. And so once I was once I was encountering things like herniated discs, and you know, people with like like, oh my god, the first, you know guy I saw do a down dog I just was like I don't I have no idea what to say I had no idea like how to instruct because it was so different from my experience and I was like I need to know I have no idea what I'm doing so that's when I went to JJ and that was 2003 I was with her through 2005 2006 and I also was doing work trade out there to learn how to run a studio before I opened Boundless. I did, had, didn't quite know I was going to open Boundless. So that my like training with her and then um, uh, like understanding a lot about the yoga business from her mm-hmm. were overlapping between
0: 2003 and five. So, I mean, we'll, we'll get back to kind of the, because the, this just kind of occurred to me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What's the sort of difference between business of yoga now and business mm-hmm. of yoga back then?
1: Oh, my God. Like
0: a, it seems to me to be a very, very different animal at this point.
1: <sighs> I mean, oh, God. Should you, like, name the animal first? I don't even know. I <laughs> have yeah, so many things to say. Like, so but
0: you were able to start a studio and actually, like, yeah. make a little bit of money yeah. doing it. Like, yeah. you weren't, like, struggling, right? I bought
1: my first house yeah. in Petworth, like, from, through my... See, and I think if you were to house. talk
0: to most yoga studio owners oh, yeah. these days, oh, like, yeah. if any, like, basically anywhere in the city, you could never open a studio and then, like, make enough money in the first I couple of years to buy a house
1: just and couldn't I, do yeah, it. Yeah, and the, and I and that and I saw that. I mean, so that happened with, you know, I mean, Groupon did a number on
0: Yeah, it's destroyed several studios, including yeah, Strogo.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember? Oh, that's mm-hmm. what I remember hearing. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's so, so many small businesses, right? Because if you keep having to devalue the service, that the, the issue is the is it's so we joined a pool. Um, this summer, my ki- my kids are you know seven and nine, and mm-hmm. we knew we weren't going to travel much this summer, and I was like, we have to have something you know that I can like do with them that just gets their energy out and you know there's n- like no places reasonable in town, like so we're kind of like out we're like out of the outside of the bellway mm-hmm. <laughs> joining a pool but it's great and amazing, and they ran a group on last summer because they didn't have enough um, members and they did like a half priced Membership for the summer, and so I know people who joined. I didn't even know that they had done it until after I joined, paid full price a year later, which is all good. But I was thinking that's kind of where Groupon really offers value—like gets you in the door to a place, and and we all know this, and it like creates this like membership, you know, mm-hmm. feeling that you're then willing to pay full price for later. But the problem with what Groupon did to DC Yoga is that it really, really rocked communities because. People would be standing in my lobby going, oh, my God, why would you pay more than $4 for a yoga class? And they just had every right to believe that because there they Mm -hmm. were, the customers, consumers. But that's where – and I don't remember what your question was. Oh, the business of yoga now. I mean, it was – I'll tell you, the difference between then and now is that at that time, there was a – and conflation may or may not be the right word, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to use it because – there was an, like a conflation a melding and overlapping, a, a combining of business and education. So you were like in business to educate, in business to teach, versus being a university and just teaching. Like the Iyengars are, mm-hmm. they are a uni- they are a total academic, like university based system, and they don't care about the market. They don't care about mm-hmm. what's happening. In th- I mean, they occupied forty one percent of the market in nineteen ninety six or thirty six or something between 38, 41. 2% of the market in 2017. This is a Yoga Journal study, mm-hmm. too. Now, granted, I still I haven't done the numbers on, like, has the yoga market expanded as much, you know, as that number has shrunk? So, like, it still occupies the same amount of the market.
0: Yeah, the same number of people. But same same so number of people, sorry, exactly, yeah, same, yeah. I don't
1: know if that's true. My sense is, is a lot less because, you know, because every studio has a lot less people, and mm-hmm. then we're all sort of, like, so the difference is that now the education of yoga is is discreetly defined from the business and the sale of yoga you can look at core power and they are so clear that what they're doing is training their teachers to sell more yoga yeah and selling more yoga includes teacher training but teacher training you know because of yoga alliance is the same at core power as it is you know at boundless or at you know well the iyengars and the ashtanga people as you probably know pieced out of that exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah no so, i mean
0: i it, like and i only know the dc scene really so i can't yeah, really speak to, yeah. to anywhere else but it seems to me that so, for so long people got used to the fact that you could just every week you could get a group on for i can go to buddha b this week I and i can go so. to stroga and yeah. now i can go here and like there weren't too many studios that didn't do that yeah and so what it kind of did we was we all it, had to Right, we all, you kind of all had to jump in, and then it was sort of this, it's a classic economic thing, it's a race to the bottom.
1: It is a race to the bottom.
0: So, exactly. and then what happened was, after that, the Groupon, like all the studios, some studios went belly up, and yeah. people stopped doing it, yeah. and then all of a yeah. sudden, people were used to doing free yoga, yeah. and then all of a sudden, we've got free yoga at the Botanical Gardens, and now yeah, we have free yoga over in Georgetown, and yeah. so we have free yoga at the waterfront by Vita, yeah. you know, down yeah. down where I am, yeah. and so people like only go in mass groups to free yoga events. Yeah. And it's only a really small group that goes to yoga studios.
1: I know. Right,
0: whereas like Advita is not a problem because like we have yoga classes and yeah. I'll have 30 people in my class, yeah. but they essentially think it's free because of their membership.
1: I know. Right, so right? so yeah. getting
0: people to actually go to a studio, yeah. that's like, that's yeah. the trick, right? It and, is it, and it's totally. so hard because the margins are so small because yeah. the rent is so, so high. high. Yeah. right? And
1: also, you you know, the cost of living for your teachers who you're paying and your own rent and your own yeah. overhead is also relatively higher. I tell people all the time that studios in the middle of the country, by definition, can do better l- for longer because their overhead is lower. Now, yeah. you and know, there's,
0: and there's parking.
1: And there's parking. <laughs> it's so true. And there's right? parking. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I, I mean, there is no. Yeah, uh, yes. Yes, um, exactly.
0: So, um, so <laughs> exactly. what? So, when did you start working with John? When did you start so working with John?
1: So, John, um, I tried to start working with him. He probably would be so bad at me if he heard me say this. But I, but it's so. I tried. I tried to start working with him sooner because I got to town and was like, I want. So it's this is kind of a crazy story this is like
0: where you showed up at the 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 guru's doorstep and and you were like please yeah. train me and he was like go away
1: totally. and you came back
0: the next day totally. and he was like sweep my floor exactly
1: well <laughs> it wasn't exactly that but it was a, it was more like me being like the yeah. consumer calling them being like um hi i've been doing all this yoga and you know i'm like a level two and i good i didn't know i mean you know I, in this other system i was an intermediate person i was doing headstands shoulder stands and i was in classes that were physically challenging and really fun and na-na-na. And and I was also thinking about being a teacher because I had moved down here and I, I'm sh- I mean, it has to have been, I feel like this phone call had to have taken place before 9-11 though because 9-11 just like hastened everything. It just pushed me, you know, it, like it, it was just like I was being pulled in the direction of what I'm doing now versus at that time I was, <coughs> you know, I mean, I did the thing where I came down here and spent... I remember registering for an entire yoga class session because Sun and Moon yoga did that there, excuse me. <coughs> and um and I didn't go to one class, not one. I paid all that money, and I didn't go at all. And so I was really confused and feeling really lost uh, without the integral people because I'd heard that, well, and this is true, you should find out, like do this and like research because it's kind of a sad story, and it would be really good if the if the story were able to be get out there and be healed a little bit. But the person who ran the Integral scene in DC had killed himself. Oh wow! Yeah, like prior a couple years before I came, and so it felt like such a dark, like thing. I was like, yoga, like how would somebody, you know, kill themselves? And right. I just it blew my mind. So I was like, really a little scared. And somebody, I was talking to somebody about that in New York, an in Integral because Pr- I called them. It was like I don't really know what to do, and she said, well. You know, the Iyengar scene is like, is I- that's where it's at in D.C. now. Because John had really, at that point, yeah. I mean, there were waiting lists for his classes. Wow. You couldn't even get to his 1030 Wednesday morning class without being on a wait list and stuff. And so I called them and told them my level two <laughs> stature. <laughs> and they were just like, you know, if you want to teach, maybe, but you have to go to John's class, level one, and wait for him to notice you. And I was like, <sighs> Whatever. And so I hung (laughs) and and I just walked away. It was like I'm not I can't I couldn't believe it. Right. That that it had just felt like such a yeah. Well, I well, I guess I mean I just thought they were a business. See, that's the thing I'm saying. There's a conflation between what I wanted to learn and what I wanted to know Mm -hmm. and what I could pay for, you know? I don't know. Like such a com it's such a com it's such a fraught relationship. So I that was what led me to JJ to do all the shaman work, chakras, like Oh, my God, you don't hear about any of that stuff in the Iyengar system. Mm-hmm. You do, like, much later on, but not for the first, like, decade. Right. You know. So I found him, I don't know, in the end, OJJ moved on. And um, I studied with Doug Keller for a while, who's so great, but it's a really long drive to Reston, longer than to Bethesda. Yeah. And I just started thinking, I just want to learn from the person who kind of knows the most. Mm-hmm. And John knows the most. He's been at this the longest and practices every day for hours. Mm-hmm. And so his knowledge, self-knowledge, and all of that exposure to Iyengar. So 2007 yeah. was when I showed up.
0: And what 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 did it, what happened when you showed up? He
1: told me to relax. <laughs> I was in Ustrasa, and he was like, relax. I was like, what? Because his reputation was like, he yells at you, he's so mean, right. he's so this, he's so that. The first instruction he gave me was relax. I was like, oh, man. And to this day, it's like an amazing instruction and that's sort of the value that I try to bring my students, but certainly that I have always gotten from my Iyengar teachers Mm -hmm. from all good teachers. But you know, the Iyengars is where I've really kind of rested myself. And so how
0: did you kind of (laughs) juggle that learning and that sort of practice with owning your studio? Would you like, Yeah,
1: it was, I mean, it's, it's a great question and my own practice, like what I did with myself when nobody was looking was always the sort of barometer for how did I balance, like, you know, small business and, uh, you know, which as I'm sure you've talked about with many people mm-hmm. on the show, like the business of yoga and managing, I mean, I heard, you know, Deb talking about like negotiating leases and then li- dealing with DC. I oh can't yeah. wait to see it. <laughs> I fit, like she said, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. And I was like talking to, I, you, I hear you. Say, I mean, you know, like basically <laughs> having <laughs> a conversation because <laughs> <laughs> it's true, the business of yoga and business in DC, which, Historically, has been rated like the lowest as business, small business friendly. Mm -hmm. Look at Target. Look at Fourteenth Street. Look at Columbia Heights. Look at Petworth. Do you see that thing up there at the Georgia Avenue Petworth? Oh yeah. I'm starting to get so fired up about that. There's like, there the rent is clearly so high that nobody but like Subway and Wells Fargo can afford to rent from there. And they have those businesses, those storefronts have been shuttered for like now. It's been three years or four years since. These high-rent condos have been going in, and I'm kind of like, that's a BS, man. Yeah. You're like, how can we have a thriving local business community if you people come in and get kickbacks from D.C. somehow that allow y- – oh.
0: The only, re- the only really way you can do it is, <laughs> at least from what I know, is that a lot mm-hmm. of places like Petworth, yeah. um, there's a business improvement district there. And there's yeah. one down in like the yards as well. Yeah. Um, and they Kennedy give out, Street
1: is doing well. They give right,
0: And they give out like they will give small business loans to so yeah. like minority owners yeah. and yeah. stuff like that. So yeah. there is some of it there. But, yeah, like you there's a place up on 14th Street where I used to live. Um, it's now an old navy yeah and it, there's like yeah. there's never been anyone in that store i ever, know i know ever.
1: i know exactly like
0: it, right it, yeah
1: <laughs> right it, it just makes you feel like there's just a way there's just an imbalance and you know dc <clears throat> over the years you know it, it's such a small town and you know it's a subculture of any kind small business punk rock yoga whatever mm-hmm. is going to by definition be Struggling to get a critical mass together, despite so many great ideas and so many like interesting people from all over the world. I mean, that's what we love about DC, right? At least mm-hmm. what I've learned to love. I mean, it took me a long time to love DC, um, but I love it now. I really, am just in love with it now. It's a really interesting relationship, and um, I feel like because I do feel like f- after all these years, like there is some critical mass happening. I, we're a different you know age, and you, mm-hmm. you you may be seeing a more optimistic side you know, kind of in the teens of the twenty first century. Yeah. The I mean, early twentieth century, So four. I've been
0: I actually moved to DC in ninety nine. Oh
1: no. So you know. Okay. Yeah. So you understand. I just haven't been practicing he- yoga here. Oh, okay. Like, so I've right. been living here. All right. So on the on the business <laughs> thing, so yeah. yeah so yeah. you knew what I'm saying, oh, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's just like it just feels like it should be easier. Feels yeah. like it should be easier to to do business here, frankly. Yeah. So and anyway. It feels
0: like it feels like even the ones like, for example, we got all these great restaurants here. Yeah. But they're still like as far as I know, they're owned and managed by like these these they get their money from these big, wealthy restaurant groups. I right. Know, and so like even I if you know. have a one off restaurant yeah, that is totally. a local business, yeah. it still has the backing of like millions of dollars. Yeah, It's just really hard yeah. to actually like, yeah. you know, like walk into a bank and say, hey, I'm going to open a yoga studio. Yeah, and the no officer is going to go like, no,
1: that I, I can <laughs> I can tell you for sure they won't because we were unable, all of us to to do any kind of really decent financing after 2008 2009 i mean everything turned you had to have as many it's changed of course in the last couple years but for like a good solid five years you had to have as much liquid cash in the bank as you needed in a loan so like yeah yeah, so why would you take a loan if you had that much cash obviously (coughs) you know financing is a personal and strategic choice for everybody but you know you if you were like a law firm if you were a you know doctor's office you're probably going to have enough of a, like a um of re- of a recurring revenue model sure. that they would give you a little bit more but if you're any in the service industry like yoga studio type or restaurant or whatever you're just not gonna get it the financing
0: no it's true um
1: which is why GoFundMe and all that stuff i mean i think we're we're starting to see this is not we're not talking about finance no i mean it's fine like i (laughs) so
0: it's one of those things that jess pierno would really get a kick out she was like she's she's done really well in that system but you have to be so on top of it and you honestly have to be more of a business person than a yogi
1: yeah and
0: that's like (coughs) sort of like the tricky thing because if you're a business person and you're that good at business, yeah. you're probably not opening yoga studios. Right. You're probably opening up your own chain of like shoe stores at another country and right. like making millions of right. dollars. Exactly. Right, exactly. And so that's exactly. the trick. Yeah,
1: it is. And I've and i I I think it's really worth asking the question: What is it about you know being a business owner that is necessarily um, in conflict or not um, the same as you know? teaching or offering i yoga. don't think
0: there's any conflict there i agree with you i don't think there's any conflict there i think there doesn't have to be i think i think people's attitudes or people's vision in their mind of what a yogi is yeah is the conflict
1: mm-hmm. like the
0: yogi like the, in your people's mm-hmm. mind you think the yogi yeah. is like all right well, like we're all wandering through this universe right and like we're all trying to be free and you know kind of this hippy dippy stuff that yeah. is a part of yoga but is like that little minuscule part of yoga, right right whereas right. like you know Yoga is also a lot about discipline. Yoga yeah, is also yeah. about like being yourself and finding your path. And yeah. I don't think there's yeah. anything contradictory there as long as everything's out in the open. You're only it's the only yeah. contradictory thing there is when right. you're lying and when you're cheating right. and when you're right. backstabbing or you're doing that right. kind of stuff right. that a lot of businesses do. Right. right, A lot of business owners do. Right, um, And so I don't think there's any contradiction in making money off of yeah. yoga. Yeah, I just don't.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that, I think that I was going to say this earlier that there's like a multifactorial issue with you know, the sort of um, how much the market is sort of swamped with studios themselves. And because, you know, one of the reasons why it's hard to profit, I mean, really have a nice, solid, healthy profit as a yoga studio now, especially on either coast, is because you have so much competition. Yeah. <laughs> and if there were f- half the number of studios and, you know, uh, I don't know, let's just, I mean, again, just let's just say for the sake of argument, uh, you know, alternate universe, all of a sudden only people who had trained Mm -hmm. for 5,000 hours could teach yoga. Like nobody else was able, you know, if you would wind up having a short list then of studios and or teachers that could teach. And if, and if there were a regulation around that or like a, or that could be called X and like anybody teaching with fewer hours could be called Y, maybe that would be a way that the market could then differentiate and make sense of like what you're taking. Like, You you know, what's happening for you? Like, I I mean, I say this all the time. The number of hours. I mean, I decided to become a certified Iyengar teacher after 16 years of teaching in most of those. Well, 60 to 70 percent of those years, I was teaching 20 classes a week Mm -hmm. or 16 classes and teacher trainings. And now I teach like six classes a week because I have this, you know, my business on the, um, on the other side of uh, it's in part of the same, but anyway, this, you know, running my other business. And so even all of the, that teaching, those hours of teaching, I still had to train for a total of like a thousand hours just mm-hmm. to get to the certification week and for the Iyengars, which was last fall. And so it's, it's it's difficult when you can call yourself X and be next to somebody else who's also X, mm-hmm. you know, when it's really difficult to compare those two things other sure. than using the word teacher or instructor, you know?
0: Sure. And here I'm going to add this also to it because I think it's, um, I think there's lots of other factors involved. And one of those yeah. factors is that um, as you've seen, so in, in a way the yoga studio um, fills the same niche as Soul Cycle yeah. and Orange Theory yeah. and Elevate and all these other totally. little, little small box things. Um, and more and more and more, especially millennials, um, they want their fitness to be entertainment. Yeah. So, in other words, it's not just fitness, it's entertainment. Yeah. So, for, for somebody like me and you, for example, who really wants a good yoga teacher who knows exactly what a knee joint does so yeah. we don't blow out our knees, totally. right? The millennials, they want somebody who's going to be entertaining and has a killer playlist. Yeah. And you know what? If you thought about yourself when you were 25 years old, yeah. you'd want the same thing, yeah. right? I want a good teacher who has a killer playlist. Yeah. And I want to sweat and I want to move. And like so it's kind of yeah. a it's kind of a generational thing where yeah, where I younger people younger people are gonna spend that money yeah. at other little box studios yeah. where they would have spent it at a yoga studio in the past. Yeah. They now have so much more options. So it's not that yoga studios necessarily are competing with each other. It's yeah. that there's so many more totally. options. Totally, yeah, right?
1: exactly. It's not just with each other, yeah. but also with all the other
0: And you can't compete with the soul cycle, right? Yeah. I mean yeah. I went to
1: Orange Theory like for a year to try to yeah. figure out like how to understand it in a way that could make my classes more relevant well
0: and they have and and i've i've been to conferences before where they've gone over kind of the business model and they have a very they have a very different business model than than most yoga studios and they do like orange theory yeah exactly and they do so many good different things yoga studios do right they text you the day after totally and they like they email you and they like they follow up and they treat you like an actual person and
2: totally which is
0: totally different than a lot of yoga studio owners because a lot of yoga studio owners the only experience they have with owning a studio is that they know what a yoga class is yeah they've probably right. never ever run a business before right and right, that's right, another right. problem right? yeah when you have yoga studio owners who haven't been to business school who don't yeah. own, who've never owned their own business before right. and don't know what they're doing and they're right. learning right. step by step by step i know exactly. And they don't have enough cash to learn over a five-year period yeah
1: yeah i know i know totally
0: anyway totally um what uh all right so tell us about the yoga journal experience oh, this is like so fun. this is good this, this, is, so this is
2: awesome
1: Yeah, so you know, I've been doing this writing for the Washington Post, and that's been really fun and nice. And but I've had two, um, like bum pitches this year. I've sent them ideas, and they're just like, no, thanks. And so I'm just like, ah. So, but I knew to the Washington Post, yeah, to the Post, yeah, because my editor's like changed over, and so it's just I'm just working out like my new voice with them, basically. And so, and it happens all the time. You put the time in, you're like, oh, this is gonna be great, and they're like, ah. You know, like it's 24 hours later in the news cycle or 15 or whatever. You c- you'd really have to hit, you know, content production
2: mm-hmm.
1: like within a six hour window, 12 hour maybe if you're lucky. It depends on the size of the story. So anyway, it doesn't matter. I, sa- I had this idea um, about, you know, th- and I talk about it all the time, the texting thumbs and the sort of, you know, texting neck, obviously, la, la, la. So I just pitched Yoga Journal a story that the post was like, uh, we just can't, don't have space for it, la, la, la. And they liked it. And so they came back and said, you know, we want to do you posing for a 20-pose sequence to combat tech strain and fatigue and then do a video. And they're, you know, doing just exactly what we're doing in here, which is creating, trying to figure out how to create yoga content that people want to, like, you know, stick with or listen to or observe. And so, they, so they flew
0: you out to the big yeah, headquarters Boulder. is that yeah, right is that yeah. where it is That's where Boulder, at it?
1: It's beautiful oh my god You've and are totally they, are they like
0: in this big college park campus where there's like you know lakes and streams and stuff yeah is basically it? yeah. it's
1: exactly like that <laughs> it's exactly what it was like <laughs> it was really they're so They're so. yeah they're just super savvy super nice and yeah. they've just evolved the messaging that just evolved at all i had no idea that you know an investment banker had bought yoga journal a couple years ago is that right hired somebody to i can't remember her name to be the editor and they've increased circulation 30k to like 300,000 in a couple years so they're you know they're figuring out mm-hmm. how it is to like so they have you know 40 to 50 year old women like flipping through the magazine buying it you know at whole foods or whatever and then millennials online so they're trying to figure out how to i mean are those two are those do those people so that's what i was telling you before the show they're connecting you know my 40 50 year old mm-hmm. readers with through that qr code on this two-page layout of me doing these poses with this video that i did
0: that's so cool i remember so. the first i remember graduating from yoga teacher training and looking at yoga journal and being like because you know i'm all about like being contrarian i'm like
1: yeah oh what yeah is
0: this crap like like yeah. yoga journal you know yeah and then like i got a subscription to yoga journal i think with my yoga alliance and i started reading oh it, good and i was like this is pretty cool yeah, they know what they're talking about.
1: They, they you know, I think <laughs> like their post library, they're doing some good stuff. Yeah. and you know, I'm telling you, they, you know, when I was I was out in California for a while while I ran Boundless, I <laughs> went back and forth between the, the Bay Area and here because I was studying with Rodney Yee and mm-hmm. Richard um, Rosen and two other people in the Piedmont Yoga Studio um, scene, and you know, so many really smart people are still at yoga journal really thinking through the content mm-hmm. and stuff but it's also a lifestyle magazine you know yeah,
2: so of course
1: of course so, th- so it's going to have that kind of like of saccharine feeling like ew but yeah. but but not because
0: i mean it was the same thing i, w- I know it's the other day i was i, I w- was in line at harris teeter and i saw this newsweek a special newsweek edition oh, yeah. of like yoga Will-less. yeah i got and that I the one like, of the women in namaste yeah State? and yeah, i was yeah. like i was yeah. like what the fuck does newsweek you know about yoga and i opened it and i was like wow
1: there's yeah. lots of really
0: good stuff in I here. I
1: find that fascinating. It's like so cool, the, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, the wellness, like, Like, they yeah. were talking
0: about the yoga sutras, and they were talking yeah. about, like, you yeah. know, the Bhagavad Gita. They, were, yeah. they had all this information. I yeah. was like, this is so yeah. cool. You, I would have never found this 10 years ago, like anywhere. Yeah. And yeah. Now, it's, now it's on the, you know, now it's on the checkout line. I
1: know. Right? I know. For you to grab, because yeah. you're, you know, it's competing with your phone. You know? And it's telling you to look up from your phone. And, you That's know, right. So.
0: Um so um so tell us how does one so so tell us how does <laughs> I can't believe I'm gonna ask this but ask <laughs> oh, okay. how does how do I get rid of the cramped thumbs? Like oh what I poses know. am I gonna do to so get rid of So you should the put
1: your thumb? palms on the floor. Okay, ah, so in turn and turn yeah. them backwards. You know, it's like cat cow. Yeah, he has a knees. Turn your fingers back toward your knees. This is r- it's painful. It's, it's painful, yeah. Yeah, and just and just hang out there with you know loose shoulders, you know, trapezius broad and down. The back, breastbone lifted, and then if you can lift up and back into Down Dog, you should do Down Dog with hands reversed. Fingers yeah, you're reversed. joking. Yeah, no, that will no, never no, happen in my John. Lifetime. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, you will. You can do it. I promise you can. You just have to you just have to take as, as Eric Shifman said. You know, you yeah. got to like do less and take it slower.
0: So I've been, I've been trying to do that with my toes. You know, the pose the, where you sit on your toes. Everybody it. I know. And I, like, I can't get my pinky toes to the I floor. Know, I know. So like So I sit literally for five minutes every uh, day to see if I uh, can eventually do this. It's so and painful. It is. It, I've gotten used to the pain yeah, by now, but right. every day I'm like, come on, pinky toe. I know. Like, get
1: there. I know. I know. Can you get more onto the pad of your feet? Yeah. I've been, yeah, I've been, I've I've been trying. Like, yeah, I can't. Yeah. Do, I'm like, I'm like. Tailbone. <sighs> tuck the tailbone more. Tuck the tailbone more. I swear I'll to God. Yeah. Tailbone. I've got this new, like, like Seal the tailbone is too strong, which is like moving in, like moving in, grounding and moving in. And
0: yeah. like sitting here in my chair. Yeah. Well, to do I it. know. Yes.
1: <laughs> but that's the thing. I mean, that's, you know, th- that's exactly what I showed in the video. I just like showed the slump and was like, there's just no way around it. So you just have to do these mm-hmm. actions to, you know, get out of that.
0: Yeah. So it was a little real fun experience out there.
1: Yeah, we had a nice t- It was great. It was, I mean, it was super quick. Of course, they were like in and out, but, um, but, but so nice. Like, yeah, just really great.
0: And so now do you mostly work, like, remotely? I mean, is your business mostly, like, uh, is it this old yeah. term? I think it's an old term now, yes. a virtual business. Yeah. Like, this okay. is, like, so, like, six years ago, right, Panama? Is it?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is it really? Is that really? So I'm going to make sure I don't use it. Yeah, no, See, it's, I it's need it's to old. hang out with millennials because I just need to stay yeah. current, you know? I have to... Um, Come teach
0: a Vita, really? You I get plenty it. of plenials. Well, yes. I've heard
1: so. much I mean, yeah, I've so <laughs> much about Vita over the years. You you need to have like a Vita subsection of the yoga like DC podcast, don't I you know, think? Right. Like Winnie, don't you? Shouldn't you get Winnie on?
0: I know. I wish. Oh I, Is my she God. still? Does she still teach in DC? She's.
1: I don't. You know, I've lost she touch with she her. She hasn't taught.
0: She hasn't taught a in a while. I know. Like she I,
1: took off. Yeah. Yeah. She, um, yeah. I. She's got to. I think she's maybe up in like Chevy Chase or no no. You know where she teaches at. uh... You should also get um. What's his name? Do you want to hear a funny Karenon. story? Karen on.
0: Do you know to hear a funny story about Winnie? Oh so my god! I, like, I mean, so there's so many. So when I like, I've never met her. I oh think god. I took her class one time, um, at Vita, and when Vita hired me, mm-hmm. um. They, uh, one of the classes they gave me was her class because she left.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. And
0: so, like, I walked into this class, which used to be uh, an Iyengar class, yeah. right? Where with Winnie, who's this lady who's kind of famous for like smacking people's butts and like, you know, yeah. kind of like doing like, no, yells. move this, move well, this, and yells. You know, yeah, she
1: speaks, you have to remember, she speaks, you know, um, Cantonese, Chinese, right. which is even more than Mandarin in terms of it's like, lack of intonation so like it just always sounds like she's shouting no matter what so she's just shouting the whole time and if you like get into the zen of being shouted at which is a little bit of a reach right then it's her classes are hilarious i mean they're just hilarious yeah so smacking wrenching so she, yes exactly yelling. and
0: like so i like i like substitute taught her class <laughs> and like the looks of venom of yeah. like the the students were just like who yeah. is this guy and I then know. when i finally took over the class they were like I mean you should have seen the letters that were written or the oh emails gosh, that were written really? that were like, Yes, where is Winnie? Who is this guy yeah, teaching this class? Like I know. Yeah, they, she was she she was she had a strong grip.
1: It's hard to or she, people had a
0: strong grip on her, I should say. Yeah, yeah. and
1: likewise, I mean maybe yeah, I mean it, you know, it's uh it's hard to be it's hard when your teacher goes away. You like
0: it is. Is yeah. you get really, I mean, this is what I constantly tell my students. Like yeah. when I go, like when I go out of town, I say, yeah. how was class last week? And they go, oh, I didn't, I didn't go. You weren't yeah, teaching. Yeah. And I'm like, how many times have I told told you about non-attachment yeah, in my classes? I know. And that like, you have to keep going to other people's classes. Like. Yeah.
1: It's, yeah. I, yeah, I heard some <laughs> woman say today, like my time is so valuable. You know, I have to like, sorry. Her answer was just like, my time is valuable. I was like, whoa. And that's the thing with like Orange Theory competing with a yoga class, whatever, because how many hours do you really have of time per week, mm-hmm. you know, to spend with somebody else or in a community setting situation?
0: Yeah. And one of the things we need, I mean, one of the things people have to learn eventually, they learn it the hard way or they figure it out for themselves is, you know, that you have more time than you could ever want. I
1: know, right.
0: This is the secret to life. Yeah. Yeah, like there is more time available. You just don't think you have enough time. Yeah, it yeah. You do it to yourself. Yeah. O- every
1: time. Yeah, totally. Isn't that the question you asked me? So like, what am I or d- oh, teaching or what? Like yeah. So other what is business? your business? Yeah, your business. Oh is oh yeah, yeah. The virtual. Yeah, that was yeah. where we went off. The virtual business. I would promise not to. <laughs> and remember not to say that. That's not current <laughs> anymore. Kim, don't <laughs> say. It. Be cool. Be cool. Um, it, so it's Kim Weeks. Well, and t- you know, it was Boundless closed? And I, um, you know, it was like. I thought. I mean, it is. It, I mean, I had two choices basically. It was like go, you know, wall to wall childcare, and because I had two, you know, kids were my kids were one and three. My husband traveled internationally; who's gone all the time. And I was like, I can just work all the time and go back to where it was in the beginning with boundless, you know. And anyway, it was so obvious that I just I lost all my like like my my love for it. My love for the teaching. I was done, you know. And and I knew I didn't have any more to give because I wanted. I was preferred to give to my children. So that's why I this close, and I thought mm-hmm. that I wouldn't teach anymore. I was convinced. I told my husband two years I was like, I'm not so I started a rock band and, you know, toured around and like taught myself guitar and sang and started a preschool, cooperative preschool and did all this stuff in like thinking like eh, filling the void. So, I mean, yeah, you know, you're rebelling. I was grieving. I was super grieving. And the, I mean the the governess my band was definitely some rebelling against motherhood and the mm-hmm. what I what felt um, like the shackles of especially young motherhood. You're just exhausted all the time and everybody needs you. And so um, anyway, but then Julie Eisenberg, who connected mm-hmm. me to you, was like, listen, um, Naomi what was her last name. She's out of D.C. now, but Naomi something. She w- taught at Boundless. She mm-hmm. worked for me at the very last, in the very last bit of it, <coughs> um, was going on maternity leave and needed a sub at Lighthouse Yoga. And so my husband was like, you just have to walk out of the door walk down the street, you'll be back in like 75 minutes. And I was like, I don't want to teach. I hate yoga and because I was only doing headstand, shoulder stand, pranayama. I was like, I had just basically gotten rid of all of it. Everything felt like noise, you know, only those like three things. And I just thought I won't teach. But anyway, I went back to teach. And like within the first five minutes, I was like, how have I been denying myself this joy? This? That was 2016. Wow.
0: And How long did you take off?
1: Um, well, I closed Boundless in 2013 and I stopped like teaching in 2014. Couple so two years of not teaching. Yeah. I was really depressed. And it just like I said in my email to you, like I'd really had to grieve, you know, losing the community boundless. Like mm-hmm. it was super hard, so much harder than I thought it was gonna be. But the best thing that ever happened. So I started teaching and I was like, oh my God, I love it. what, you know. And then Yoga Works came to town, and I was like, I, well, I used to have a studio right there. I could instantly bring you people, and so they hired me. It was all good, and it continues to be amazing. I love them, love Yoga Works. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the process of all of that, like from then, then to then, you know, 2013 to 2016, I'd been on NBC. I've been doing all these like live TV spots, and learned so much about being up in front of people mm-hmm. live to te- you cuz you just whatever you say it and it's out there there's no going back and so it's there's just, no mulligans yeah yeah, yeah. exactly and it, you know John went on I mean tons of people went on with me it was just super fun we just teach 3 minutes of like you know best practices yoga la 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 um but then that's what essentially got me to the post and I was and so when the election happened 2016 I started writing for them like wellness in a time of you know trouble kind of a thing we were <laughs> yes. all like whatever uh-huh. so full of ourselves At that time, at least white people were. (laughs) That's right. We were like, whoa. And everyone's like, right, right. You didn't see this coming. But I did. I'm from Trump country. My parents are both avid Trump supporters. I knew I got really sick in 2016. I still have an allergy to social media from that. It was terrible. I believe it. Yeah. And so I just started realizing, like, I think that what needs to happen is, you know, a conversation of how these postures are just actions in the body. And the actions lead to like breath and the breath leads to, you know, all of these amazing, like, you know, you have everything you think, your ego, there's like, there's, you know, the odd, I mean, there's all, and then there's just like the awareness that holds the space for it, the Darshana Adman, which is, you know, I was just reading about that yesterday. So, you know, and so there's just so much you can sort of see in yourself. And so it's like, why wouldn't I just take that into the back into the corporate world and Teach yoga and mindfulness and wellness and na na na, and mm-hmm. you know a, 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 as a voice, you know having cultivated this expertise over the years, both in business and in wellness. And mm-hmm. so that's what I'm doing: wellness education and consulting, helping businesses figure out essentially whether their mission and vision um, is well. I mean, right. if, if they really you know, what they what they think their responsibility is to like helping people not slump and actually breathe deeply and know some counteractive postures during the day to keep themselves more well. I mean, there's so literal
0: sense. How can we get rid of dis ease
1: in our company? Exactly. Do you want Um, a job? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I always (laughs) look (laughs) at
0: that. What? uh, So you're still teaching weekly classes? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I teach six classes, one at Unity Woods and five at Yoga Works, five and a half at Yoga Works. They're so uh, kind. Which Yoga Works? The The one at 14th? At Belmont. Yeah. Okay. yeah, Yeah. So um. it's like a, I don't mean, forgive me, but it like a bit of a mini Boundless. There's just people are, everybody's yeah. coming back. That yeah. sounds cool. So sweet. Yeah.
0: That sounds great. Yeah. Um, and and then uh, John,
1: every Wednesday, I'm basically all his on Wednesdays. I teach there and then I apprentice with him and then I take his class.
0: And he's, so he's only up in Bethesda now. He is, that is right? now. Yeah, yeah. He
1: closed. So Unity, uh, you know, Boundless went into Unity Woods for a while after we closed in 2013 mm-hmm. and 2014 was when I, um, for real shut it down, um, and he, I guess, months later, 2014, yeah. shut Unity Woods in Woodley Park. Yeah, so
0: that's great. So where can we go to find you online?
1: Oh yeah, so it's Kim Weeks Well everywhere, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and yeah. again, yeah, and then in you know Yoga Works or whatever.
0: And we'll, we'll all be looking for you on the... Are you going to be on the cover? Of the no, journal you're, you're no. You're in the pull-out.
1: They didn't tell me. <laughs> oh, okay. I think they probably would have let me know. Just yeah, headstand exactly. on the cement floor is what I did there. That's so cool. I mean, yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, That's, thanks. C- that's quite Hopefully pull-out. Who knows? But it'll be a good sequence. You do the sequence. Yeah. You do the sequence. But um,
0: I'll... Any... um. Any books, websites, podcasts that you want to recommend to people you know, out there? I've that been
1: listening to the Rich Roll podcast lately. Okay. Yeah, do you listen to that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like really good. So one of my students recommended it, and he's like, I mean, he, yeah, he's crazy. But anyway, and so um, he, he, yeah, he brings in, he is bringing in everybody thinking about, you know, everybody else, I'm so dramatic. <laughs> Who knows? He's bringing everyone, it seems to me. He's like he had Dean Ornish on not long ago. You know that guy, like mm-hmm. vegan before it was ever people are even thinking about it, and I mean just people thinking about the food chain, the supply chain with regard to food, like or, or gardening, veganism, like the whole thing. And he's in his fifties, a peer of mine. He's, um, and you know he he did something like the ultra marathon. Do you know that thing? Oh yeah, the
0: the f- I know ultra-marathons. tri
1: marathon something he well, did like that a 50 for the mile first run. run, Yeah, yeah, he did that like as a vegan or out of something. He he has some claim to fame. He's written a book that's like being a real man. I'm just, it's it, I'm kind of don't forgive me. I'm t- doing my very best to shut out like male voices. I kind of right. just want only women like in my ear in my ears. Um, uh, but so f- I'm sorry to say it that way. So I was just a little bit like, oh, do I really need to hear another guy talk about how to be well? But I do, it turns out. And I re- it's really good. So his podcast is really good. And um, I don't, you know, I'm listening I'm listening to a book on Einstein now. Yeah. That's what I do with my audience. Powerful yogi. Span. Well, yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jnana yoga, for exactly. sure. Exactly. <laughs>
0: Powerful yogi. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, cool. Um, thanks so much for coming yeah, on the show. Thanks for having me. I um, appreciate the time. We'd love to have you come back sometime. I think there's, there's a lot that we could get to. Yeah. Anytime. <laughs> All right, you've been uh, listening to the DC Yoga Podcast. My guest
2: this week has been Kim Weeks. Um, We'll uh, see you guys later. Take care.